بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما الحمد لله we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing us to witness this great day one of the greatest days of the year the day of Arafah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of our duas as the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said khayru ad-du'a'i du'a'u yawmi Arafah wa khayru ma qultu ana wan nabiyyuna min qabli la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير the best dua is the dua on the day of arafah and the best thing that i and previous prophets said is la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahu almulk wa lahu alhamd wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir so this is something that we should make sure that we take into account when we make dua on the day of arafah that it is a day of acceptance that it is a day where it is very likely that whatever we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be accepted so we need to make sure that we are sincere and we call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our full humility and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant our duas and he will accept our prayers may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us many more opportunities like this in the future and i know that uh, most people alhamdulillah are fasting today uh, because of the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he said siyam yawm arafa ahtasibu ala Allah and you kafir as-sanata allati qablahu wa as-sanata allati ba'dahu that fasting on the day of arafa i have hope in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it would serve as an expiation for the previous year's sins and the coming year's sins so two years worth of sins wiped away fasting for one day alhamdulillah and i i know that most muslims alhamdulillah uh, they're very keen to take advantage of this opportunity and they would be fasting today so because of that inshallah we will keep our our lesson a little bit short today because i want to give you guys enough time uh to prepare for iftar and to spend those last few moments those last few moments before breaking the fast the last few moments of the of the day of arafah uh you can spend it in dua and calling upon allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we'll 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 try to wrap up inshallah at least you know 20 minutes uh before iftar time so that everybody has a, a chance inshallah to spend those last moments you know making dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from all of us uh let's continue inshallah where we left off last week in the tafsir of surah yusuf we got to the point where we spoke about yusuf alayhi salam becoming a young man when he transitioned from childhood to adulthood he became a young man and the woman of the house that he was staying in he was staying as we mentioned in the house of qitfir qitfir was the man who purchased him and he was the secretary of treasury of egypt so he had been growing up in the house of qitfir and qitfir's wife for a number of years now right and now he had become a young adult he's not a kid anymore he's a young adult so the wife of qitfir and her name was zulaikha she became infatuated with yusuf alayhi salam and as we mentioned before yusuf alayhi salam was extremely extremely good looking as the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said laqad u'tiya yusuf shatr al-jamal that yusuf alayhi salam was given half of all beauty right so beauty was dis, uh, divided into two portions two equal portions right one full portion one portion of those two portions was given completely to yusuf alayhi salam and the other half the other portion it was distributed amongst all of the other 
creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unimaginable, really, how beautiful, how good-looking Yusuf alayhi salam was. So Zulaykha, she became infatuated with him and she wanted to commit an act of immorality with him. She called him to this and we spoke about it last week in detail. Yusuf alayhi salam, alhamdulillah, he, he had taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He had fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he refused to give in to these demands from this woman. And she's a powerful woman, right? She's a powerful woman, but Yusuf alayhi salam refuses to give in to her demands and he leaves. And as he is leaving and Zulaykha tries to prevent him from leaving, Zulaykha's husband sees that something is going on here, right? So, of course, he becomes upset. He becomes suspicious. Accusations are thrown around. Zulaykha claims that Yusuf is the one who came on to her. And Yusuf, to defend himself, he tells the truth. And he says, no, she came on to me and I refused. And then there was a cousin of Zulaykha who was also present. And he said that the way that we can figure out who's telling the truth and who's lying here, it's basically right now, it's he said, she said. So in order for us to, to see who's telling the truth and who's lying, we need some evidence. And the best evidence is to look at the shirt of Yusuf. Where is it ripped from? We can see that it's a ripped shirt, but we need to look at where it's ripped from. If it's ripped from the front, it means he ripped it himself, meaning he is the one who was coming on to her. But if it's ripped from the back, obviously he didn't rip his own shirt from the back. That means she was trying to grab him from the back. That means she is the one who came on to him, right? So let's see. We can determine who's truthful and who's lying by looking at the shirt. So they look at the shirt and they see that it's ripped from the back. And they realize that Yusuf is speaking the truth. And Zulaykha, she was lying upon Yusuf, right? So the Aziz, the, the husband of Zulaykha, he tells Yusuf, 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 please remain silent about this. Don't, don't tell anybody about what has happened here. He didn't want his family's reputation to be tarnished, right? He's a man who has a powerful position. Uh, he's a man who has uh, a very, very looked up to status in society. So he doesn't want anything to tarnish that. So he tells Yusuf, Yusuf, please remain silent about this. Don't speak about it. So Yusuf, he didn't speak about it at all. He was okay with this. I'm not going to say anything about it. Right. But, you know, these type of things, especially if a few people know what's going on, usually a leak will occur. Right. The leak did not come from Yusuf. He did not say anything about it. But because a few other people knew what was going on, eventually the word leaked out that Zulaikha, the wife of the Aziz Qitfir, the wife of a powerful man, the wife of the secretary of treasury of Egypt, she tried to tempt her own slave boy to commit an act of immorality with her. So they thought that this is, this is crazy. What type of woman would think to do such a thing? She's married to a very powerful man, a man of high position in society. But instead of, of being happy with that, she wants to have a, a relationship, an illicit relationship with her own slave. So the women of the, of the city, they found that to be very strange. So eventually it leaked out, right? And some of the women in the city started talking. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ نِسْوَةٌ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ إِمْرَأَةُ الْعَزِيزِ تُرَاوِدُ فَتَاهَا عَنْ نَفْسِهِ قَدْ شَغَفَهَا حُبَّا إِنَّا لَنَرَاهَا فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ The women of the city, they started talking. They started gossiping about what had happened. And the Mufassirin have mentioned who these particular women were. There were five women. And these five women were all wives of men who worked for the king. The king of Egypt, he was a man named Rayyan 
Ibn al-Walid. He is the king of Egypt, right? So he has a lot of people working in his court, in the royal court, right? And these men who work for him, they have wives as well. So the wives of these men who worked for Rayyan ibn al-Walid, the king of Egypt, they are the ones who started gossiping about what Zulaikha, the wife of Qiqfir, the wife of the secretary of treasury of Egypt, wanted to do. They started talking about it. So who were these five women? The Mufassirin have mentioned that they were the wives of five men who worked in the royal court. And who are those five men who these were the wives of? One of them was the wife of the hajib of the king. The hajib of the king basically is the person who allows or disallows people to come and meet the king. The king, of course, you can't just go in and meet the king on your own. No random person can just come off, on, uh, off the street and go into the palace and say, yeah, I need to meet the king. No, that's not how it works. Rather, you have to go through someone. You have to go through someone. If you, can, if you can get through that person, if that person allows you to see the king, then you will see the king. If he doesn't allow you to see the king, you will not see the king. So this person, this, this job position in Arabic is called the hajib, the one basically who screens people for meeting the king or not meeting the king. So one of the women who was speaking was the wife of the hajib of the king. The other woman, the second woman out of these five, she was the wife of the Khabbaz of the king. The Khabbaz of the king is the person who bakes for the king, who makes food for the king, who prepares meals for the king, right? So he's basically a baker and a chef. So the, the king's chef's wife was also one of the women who started talking as well. Also the wife of the Saqi of the king. The Saqi of the king is the one who provides, the one who provides drink for the king. The Saqi of the king is the one who provides drink for the king. So the wife of the Saqi, she was the third of these five women who, who was speaking about what Zulaikha had done. The fourth of these five women was the wife of the prison warden. The, the king, basically, he has a dungeon, right? So he basically employs a person to be the warden of that dungeon, to take care of that, of that dungeon, right? So this man's wife also was one of those five women. So she's the fourth of the fifth. And the fifth woman was the wife of the man who was in charge of the animals of the king. The king, of course, he has horses. He has all sorts of animals, right? And there's a person who's in charge of all of those animals, right? So his wife was also one of them. So basically, there were five women, all wives of men who worked for the king himself, Rayyan ibn al-Walid. So these five women are women of high status in society. They're married to people who work for the king. So they started talking about Zulaikha, the wife of the treasurer of Egypt. She's trying to tempt her slave boy into committing an act of immorality with her. So these, these women of high status in society are speaking in such a way. So Zulaikha is upset by this. She doesn't want you know, this talk to be done about her. She doesn't want to be the subject of their gossip, right? And she thinks that if these women, if these women who think I'm crazy, if they were to just see Yusuf and how good looking he is, they would not think I'm crazy anymore. They would understand why I tried to tempt him. If they could see him, they would understand my position. Right now, they're saying I'm crazy. They're saying that she has become crazy in her love for him. Right? They think I'm crazy. But if they see him, they will know that I'm not crazy. They will be thinking the same type of thing if they see him as well. So she wanted to arrange 
a meeting where these women could just see Yusuf. She just wants them to see him, see his face, so that they could understand her position. She didn't think that it would be useful to talk to them or to try to explain to them anything. No, the best way to explain to them her feelings was just to get them in her presence and then, then bring Yusuf salam out so they could just see him. Then they would understand everything. So that was her plan. Let, let these women see what, what this person really looks like. Let, this woman's, let these women see why I'm so infatuated with this man. If they see him, they will understand. So she makes a plan. She decides to invite these women to a banquet. She decides to basically make a dinner party, right? And she's going to invite these women and they're going to have a meal together. That's, that's the pretense, right? So she calls these five women. She invites them to the palace. She says, I want to prepare a banquet for you, prepare a nice dinner for you. Please come over, right? So these five women, they come over. They come over and they accept this invitation. Okay, so... She has prepared a great feast for them, like lots of food and, you know, desserts and fruits and everything, right? So she gives them the fruits first. She gives them the fruits first, and she gives each one of them knives to cut the fruits, right? This is basically like an appetizer before the main meal. Let's eat some fruits first, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this, فَلَمَّا سَمِعَتْ بِمَكْرِهِنَّ أَرْسَلَتْ إِلَيْهِنَّ وَأَعْتَدَتْ لَهُنَّ مُتَّكَآ so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when she heard about their gossip, she heard about these women and what they were saying about her, she invited them. She invited them to her palace. And she prepared a banquet for them. And she gave each one of them a knife to cut the fruits with. Okay, so now, the stage is set. The women are all here. They're all together in one place. They all have knives in their hands, right? Now the stage is set to bring Yusuf out so that they can see his face. So as soon as the stage was set, what did she do? She told Yusuf to come. She told Yusuf to come, right? And of course, Yusuf, alayhi salam, remember, he is her slave. He has to listen to her when, when she orders him. Of course, she, he didn't listen to her when she ordered him to commit an act of immorality. But as for other things like, you know, doing, doing work, coming here, going there, doing labor, whatever, whatever work she needs done in the house. If she calls Yusuf to do it, he has to do it. He's her slave. So now she has arranged this banquet. These women are here with the knives in their hands. And she calls Yusuf to come in the room. Come inside. Right? So Yusuf السلام, he comes inside. He comes inside and these women who were gossiping about Zulaikha, now they have seen with their own eyes who this man is that she was so infatuated with him. So when they saw him, when these women saw him, they understood, right? And what did they say? That when they saw him, they were so mesmerized by him, right? They, 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 they saw how amazing he was, how great he was, how good looking he was. And in their amazement, they cut their own hands. They had knives in their hands they were using to cut fruits. When they saw him, they got so mesmerized that they didn't, realizing they, they didn't realize they were cutting their own hands. 
they cut their own hands, right, with those knives. And they kept cutting. They were like slicing. They didn't even feel the pain. That's how mesmerized they, they were by the beauty of Yusuf alayhi salam. They said that this, this cannot be a human being. There, there's no way that this is a man. We've never seen a man who looks like this before. In Rather, this is a, an honorable angel. This does not look like a human being. He's too good looking, too handsome to be a human being. We've never seen a human being who's so beautiful before. So the only explanation, in هذا إلا ملك كريم, that he must be an honorable angel. So now they understood, they understood why Zuleikha was so infatuated by him. Because of his, his looks, because of how handsome he was, that they had never ever seen anyone at that level of handsomeness before. So they understood. So now she addresses them. She tells them. That this is the one whom you were gossiping regarding me about. You were talking behind my back about the fact that I wanted to tempt this young man. This is the one you blame me about. This is the one you were criticizing me about. Right? Now you understand? Don't you feel the same way as, as well? Right? So he, she, she addressed them and they understood exactly why she felt the way she did. And they felt the same way as well when they saw him. Now she's admitting, she's openly admitting to these women that yes, I tried to tempt him. I tried to get him to commit an act of immorality with me. I did try to do it. She openly admits it to them. She has not admitted it openly in the public, but in this gathering of women, she admits it to them. That yes, I tried to tempt him, but he refused. He refused to do what I wanted him to do. And then she gives a threat to him. She threatens him. And if he does not do what I am commanding him to do, so look at this. Even after she got caught by her own husband, even after she got caught by her own husband, she didn't give up. She continued to try to tempt him even after that. Right? She didn't give up on it. And she still didn't give up on it. Even in this gathering with these women, she's saying, If he doesn't do what I'm telling him to do, if he doesn't commit this act of immorality with, with me that I want him to do with me, then he will be imprisoned. So she's threatening him with jail. So she's still, even after all that has happened, she's still trying to tempt him. She can't give up on it. So she says now with this threat, if he doesn't do what I'm commanding him to do, then he will be imprisoned and he will be humiliated and belittled. Right? If he goes to prison, what are people going to think? People are going to think that this slave boy tried to do this and he tried to do that. They're going to falsely accuse him. They're going to think bad of him. His reputation will be tattered. So he will be humiliated. So that's what she's threatening him with. She's saying, I'm going to imprison him and he will also be humiliated. He will be from the small ones. الصاغرين are the small ones. So basically she's saying he's going to be so small, so humiliated, so belittled, and he's going to be, he's going to be in prison. Right? So what did Yusuf salam, say when he heard this threat? Did it scare him? 
Did he, did he think to himself like, well, no, if she's going to put me in jail, then, you know, I have no other choice. No, he didn't think like that. Rather, he actually made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, He said, oh, my Lord, ya Rabb, prison is more beloved to me than what they are calling me to. What these women want me to do. Now, instead of only the wife of, of Aziz, instead of only Zuleikha, it's all of these women. Some of the Mufassirin have said that when they saw him, they all propositioned him. All of these women, when they saw him, they actually asked him, okay, do, would you like to you know, do this with me instead? Right? All of those women, they became infatuated with him. Right? Now it's not only one woman, but it's all of these other women as well. Right? And some of the Mufassirin have said that those other women they try to convince Yusuf السلام, to listen to Zulaikha. Like Zulaikha, she wants, she wants you to do this with her, so just listen to her, just do it. They try to push him in the wrong direction, right? So Yusuf السلام, his dua is, Rabbi sijnu ahabbu ilayya mimma yad'oonani ilay. That, Ya Allah, oh my Lord, prison is more beloved to me than what all of these women are calling me to. These women, they're calling me to the wrong path. They want me to do bad things. I would rather go to prison then disobey you, Ya Allah, by listening to them. If I listen to them, that means, Ya Allah, I have disobeyed you. I would rather be in prison than disobey you, Ya Allah. I would rather be in prison, Ya Allah, than do what they are calling me to do. And some of the Mufassirin have mentioned that if Yusuf السلام, did not say this phrase, Rabbi sijnu ahabbu ilayya mimma yad'oonani ilayya, Ya Allah, I would rather go to prison or prison is more beloved to me than what they're calling me to. Instead, if he had just asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to just save him, Ya Allah, save me from what these women are calling me to. Some of the Mufassirin have said that then Yusuf alayhi salam, he wouldn't have even gone to prison. He would have been saved from them and he wouldn't have gone to prison. But because he said, Rabbi sijnu ahabbu ilayya mimma yad'oonani ilay, that, oh Allah, oh my Lord, prison is more beloved to me than what they are calling me to. Because of that, he did, he did end up going to prison, right? And what we learn from this is that when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask him for the best, ask him for complete safety from any type of problem, right? Don't say, Ya Allah, you know, I would rather have this problem than that problem. No, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save you from all problems, right? Sometimes people, when they're making dua, they make this, they, they say, they're, they're, they have like two bad scenarios, but maybe one is worse than the other. So they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Ya Allah, Scenario one is worse than scenario two, even though both of these scenarios are bad. Scenario one is worse than scenario two. So, Ya Allah, give me scenario two, but save me from scenario one. Right? You don't need to make dua like that. Say, Ya Allah, save me from scenario one and save me from scenario two as well. Allah can do that. Allah is Akramul Akrameen. He is, the, he is the, the, the most gracious and most generous of those who are generous. He can save you from all problems. Don't think that you need to choose between this problem or that problem. No. Allah will save you from anything that you ask him to save you from, right? So this is what we learn from this. Yusuf alayhi salam, he actually said, Rabbi sijnu ahabbu ilayya mimma yad'oonani ilayya. That, Ya Allah, prison is more beloved to me. Meaning, Ya Allah, I would rather go to prison than fall into what these people are calling me to. Right? So the Mufassirin have said that instead of making that dua, if you had just asked Allah for complete afiyah, for complete safety, Ya Allah, save me from all bad, save me from all harm, then he wouldn't have had to go through that prison. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best.
But he made this dua. رَبِّ السِّجْنُ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا يَدْعُونَنِي إِلَيْهِ وَإِلَّا تَصْرِفْ عَنِّي كَيْدَهُنَّ أَصْبُ إِلَيْهِنَّ وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ And Ya Allah, if you do not save me from their plot, they're trying to tempt me, they're trying to pull me to the wrong path, they're trying to get me to do something that's evil. Ya Allah, if you don't save me from it, then I will follow them, I will fall into it. And what do we learn from this is that you cannot be saved from any sin or any harm except by the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah has saved you from any problem, if Allah has saved you from falling into any sin, then you have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Don't think that that's because of your own strength and your own iman and your own taqwa. Rather, attribute it all to Allah. Ya Allah, you saved me from this. If you didn't save me, Ya Allah, if you didn't help me, I would have fallen into this. But because you saved me, Ya Allah, I... I was, I was safe and I didn't fall into this evil thing because you saved me, Allah. This should always be our attitude. And this is what Yusuf salam said. He's a prophet of Allah, right? He's, he's a person with a very high level of iman and taqwa. A prophet, son of a prophet, son of a prophet, son of a prophet, four generations of prophets. And he's still making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, wa illa tasrif anni kaydahunna asbu ilayhinna wa akum minal jahileen. Subhanallah. Ya Allah, if you don't save me from their plot, if you don't save me from their plot, then I will, I will fall into it. I will follow them. I will get trapped by them. And I will be from the ignorant ones. So Ya Allah, save me from them. Save me from them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered this dua of Yusuf alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he answered this dua of Yusuf alayhi salam. And he saved him from the plot of these women. Surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who hears all. And he is the one who knows all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard the dua of Yusuf alayhi salam. And he knew the situation that Yusuf alayhi salam was in. He knew the difficulties that Yusuf alayhi salam was facing. Right? Allah heard the dua of Yusuf salam and he knew the situation of Yusuf salam. Surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who hears all and he is the one who knows all. So Allah answered the dua of Yusuf salam and he saved him from those women. Then what did Qitfir the, the husband of Zulaikha, the secretary of treasury of Egypt, what did he decide to do with Yusuf after all of this? Now, the word is spreading out even more. After this incident where Zulaikha invited these women to the palace, they cut their hands, right? You think if somebody cuts their hand and then goes back home, there are not going to be any questions? Of course, there are going to be questions. Why did all of these five women cut their hands? The wife of the hajib of the king the wife of the of the chef of the king the wife of the one who provides drink to the king the wife of the one who takes care of the animals of the king the wife of the prison warden of the king all of them all of these women they cut their hands why of course that's going to raise questions imagine if you went home with a cut hand don't you think people in your family are going to ask you what happened of course they're going to ask you right so after this incident after this incident it leaked out even more what was going on, what Zulaikha was trying to do with Yusuf alayhi salam. The word spread even more. 
Now, Qitfir, the husband of Zulaikha, the, the secretary of the treasury of Egypt, he's very upset now that, you know, we, we tried to keep this under wraps, but it leaked a little bit, then it started leaking more. Now it's leaking pretty badly. People are talking about it. It's going to mess up my reputation. It's going to mess up my status. It's going to ruin the honor of my family. So Qitfir is very upset now. He wants to, he wants to plug this leak. He wants to, he wants to stop this leak, right? So he decides to take a drastic action. What did he decide to do? After they saw these signs, right? They knew that Yusuf was innocent. They saw the signs of his innocence. But this leak was going out too much and it was, it was harming the reputation of Qutfir and his family. Qutfir and his family, Qutfir, his wife Zulaikha, you know, and, and, and they decided what to do. In order to, to stop this gossip, they decided to put Yusuf in prison. That they would put him in prison for a certain amount of time. Up to a certain, up to a certain time. So what was that certain time? How long did they want to keep him in prison? The Mufassirin have mentioned some different opinions regarding this. Some of the Mufassirin have said that they decided to imprison him for seven years. Some of the Mufassirin have said that they, there was no set limit. They just wanted to put him in prison until people stopped talking about this, until people basically forgot about this issue. Then they would quietly let him out of prison, right? And of course, when they imprisoned him, they imprisoned him under a false accusation. And one of the points was, one of the reasons why they imprisoned him was so that the people, the people of the city, they would see that, okay, Yusuf is going to jail, it must mean he's guilty, right? If some, the, the mindset of most people, the mindset of, mindset of most people is that if someone goes to jail, that person must have committed a crime, right? Usually you don't think that, oh, he's probably unjustly imprisoned. The, the majority of people, the first thought that comes to their mind is that, okay, if a person went to jail, he must have done something bad. So that's what they wanted, actually. They wanted to put Yusuf in jail. They wanted people to know that they're putting Yusuf in jail so that the accusations and the gossip, it would, it would shift from Zulaikha and it would all go on Yusuf. So people would think that he's guilty and Zulaikha is innocent. And Qutfir thought that by doing that, he would save his own reputation. He would save his own status. He would save his family's honor, right? But at, at the expense of Yusuf that is what Qutfir decided to do, right? And it was a very oppressive decision. It was a very unjust thing to do. Qutfir knew for a fact that Yusuf is, is innocent, but he imprisoned him anyways. So that's what he decided to do. And Yusuf he patiently accepted this and he went to prison. He went to prison. And when Yusuf entered prison, he entered and Two young men entered prison along with Yusuf salam as well. And he had a conversation with those two young men. Those two young men told him of some of the dreams that they had. And Yusuf salam interpreted those dreams for them as well. And inshallah, in our next session, we will talk about Yusuf salam, the time that he spent in prison, the people that he met in prison, the dreams that he interpreted in prison, and how his time in prison eventually ended and when he was released from prison he became a very very powerful figure 
in Egypt. Inshallah, we will speak about that in our next session. Uh, we can take a few questions now if you guys would like. And uh, I want to give everyone enough time, inshallah, to have uh, to prepare for their thought and make dua at the end of this blessed day, inshallah. If there are a couple of questions, we can take a couple of questions, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Wa barakallahu feekum. Sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi